We're going to start with the same passage that we've started uh, each of the classes with, and that's this. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Now, just for a second, think about that passage. All right, just that one little part of it. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Does that... Uh, do you always feel that way? Have you always felt that way? Somebody speak up. No, we should. <laughs> we should. That flesh just constantly fights. Right. It, it's, it's, okay, are we always joyful? No, why not? You said it, but I want somebody else to elaborate. Self, okay. What are our problems? Not a boy, Trey. That's well put right there. All right. What else? Life. Life? Sad situations. Stressful situations. You know, I was talking to someone today. She said stressful situations, circumstances. Um, and that definitely has an impact on it. I was talking to Richard Turner today, who uh, was talking about maybe teaching an adult class, and, and one of them was you know, in a class that he's never taught before because he's never been a parent before, but they're looking at putting him like in a, like a preschool family's class or something like that, and he was like, I just don't know if I'm quite ready to teach that class. I don't know, you know, because I don't know everything, but I have seen a lot of these teenagers and everything. I, hey, man, nobody really knows what we're doing, Okay. We're all trying to figure it out the best we can. We're all stumbling along. We're all doing this, you know, in our mind, our programmed response to things, but it just doesn't always work that way. And, uh, you know, Richard said, I've, I've tried so hard to not say the word, my kids will never. How many of y'all have ever said that, my kids will never? Don't ever say it out loud. Because your kids will find a way to make you eat those words, for sure. And the point I'm making is you can have it all figured out in your mind and everything that you're doing in parenting, you can have a systematic approach to everything and you're going to think, my kid, you know, it does this, I respond this way and then they react this way and then I respond and then we just get it in and they just fall in line. Uh, that's not been my experience, you know, and I, I feel like I've got some pretty good kids, but it just doesn't happen that way. But you throw in... You know, our lack of consistency, you throw in our frustrations, our disappointments, you throw in our bad days, you know, you throw in things that, that come into the situation that frustrate us or make our lives just not quite as rhythmic as we want them to be, then you can look up and all of us are struggling for that settled approach. And what works with one kid doesn't work with another, and so, you know, it just, it's frustrating, right? It's, it's tough. But God is still calling us to this life of joy. And I think sometimes in the midst of the frustrations of raising our children and living our lives, that we can get so caught up in the life part of it that the frustrations overflow and then we have a tough time smiling at home. But this says, and I think sometimes we think in terms, or at least I was brought up, that let me say, my parents didn't bring me up this way. I think I thought this way, that life was about following the rules. Okay, and I think in the church, maybe that's 
where a lot of us have been. That all of life can be ground up into this one thing, and that is follow the rules, and then that equals happiness, right? But I think that's short-sighted because that doesn't take into consideration other people and how they impact us and how they react to us and respond to us. So, but still, God calls us to joy. And obviously, I think about Paul in prison. You know, if you read the book of Philippians, I mean, it is one word after the other about joy and rejoicing and happy and I'm so thankful and all these things that just over and over because his mindset was following God is going to yield a result that makes me joyful. And I think that's where we have to be with our children. We can't start with, you know, here are the rules and so do the rules and that's going to equal your, your blessings forever. We have to somehow get our children back to the idea that God loves them and that a relationship with him, a strong relationship with him, brings about that inner peace and that in and of itself brings forth this joy, right? And I think we have to be careful that we don't make it about just following rules it's about leading them closer to a relationship with God. So we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, we've talked about these, these different ways. There's different ways that we teach our kids, okay? One of them is the instruction we give them. One of them is the, the uh, training that we give them. That's the dedication aspect of it. The other one is defining boundaries for them. And the last one is putting those things on display, modeling those precepts, what God has taught us in a way that helps our children see it come to fruition. Because they won't be able to visualize it if we're not living it out in front of them. So all those things we've talked about. And then last week, specifically, we talked about how we take the precepts that are in place. And over time, it doesn't happen overnight. Because to begin with, we're just teaching our kids the, the right things to do. And what's wrong. And what's safe and what's not safe. <clears throat> but as we grow, we're, our objective is to take that biblical principle and to begin applying it toward a relationship with God. And that's, that's, the, that's the struggle and the challenge of parenting, but it has the biggest reward and payoff, okay? It has, that, it has that impact on a child that they begin to see things in the sense of how am I going to be pleasing to God today, not so much what rule am I following here. And that's really important for us to do that. So I want to go to, <clears throat> we talked about these, like Psalm 19 talks about the Word of God, about how powerful it is and how awesome it is and all that Psalm 119.11 says the reason that's important is because if I implant his word in my heart, I won't sin against him. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes. It just means that if I take the precept and I apply it here and I begin to think about it, meditate upon it, and live by it, that's going to change my world and it's going to develop that strong relationship with God. 2 Timothy 3.15 talks about the scriptures being inspired and giving us everything that we need. 2 Peter 1.3 says that we have to add to that, though. We can't just take his scripture and memorize it and not implant it in our heart to the point where we're living it out. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. But Ephesians 5 and Matthew 5 tells us that we're the emblems of that light. We're the, the bearers of that light. So you see how it takes God's word, puts it in here, and what is cranked out as a result of that is a mobile device for God. Okay, and I mean, that, I mean that in the sense of we are now his instruments going out into the world and we're making an impact. So 1 John 3, <clears throat> 18 through 24, I like this passage. 
because it's talking about the relationship that we have with each other, but also the relationship that we have with God. And, you know, a lot of times you can gel it down to what does God say the greatest commands are? It's love God and love other people, right? Well, that's sort of how this encapsulates it, and it talks about the blessing that we receive by obedience. So it says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Okay, this is where we take our children from saying I love you to, listen, if you love mom and dad, if you love God, you're going to do what God says. You're going to do what mom and dad say. And it puts that love into action, into obedience. It says our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. You know, so often I think because we have this mentality about doing the right things and following all the rules, that we do get into this pattern of justification by our own works. Like we just do enough good things, and at the end of the day, if those good things outweigh the bad things, then, you know, we're good. So that's the balance we're keeping. And that's really kind of a short-sighted way of thinking about things. It's really more about whether I'm forgiven or not. And so that's, that's a heavy topic for a small one. Right? They don't necessarily understand forgiveness just yet, even though you may say to them, go to your sister and tell them you're sorry. And they go over there and hit them in the face. And that's not, that's not yeah, they didn't communicate, right? Something got lost in translation. But that's kind of the thing we're talking about here is, is learning to put these things into practice. <clears throat> so he says, our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. I love this because in 1 John, there's lots of ways that we can look at this and see that ultimately what he's working us toward is this absolute security in our salvation. And it happens not because of our goodness, but because of a relationship. Even if we feel guilty, I love this, this should help all of us, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Right? You ever, you ever, I know this is about our children, but for just a second, do you ever find yourself thinking, I'm just not good enough? Do you ever find yourself going, I'm a fake, I'm a fraud, you know, I'm a hypocrite. Pick your word, I'm two-faced. I mean, I, I think it's easy for us to feel that way because we're not going to be perfect, and I think we've created a, a level of expectation for perfection that makes it very difficult for us to rise to that occasion. Even if we feel guilty, get this, God is greater than our feelings. What's it talking about? My love for him, my love for other people. Those two things, it says, you know, the Bible says it hangs all the law and the prophets. I mean, what a blessing to know that my loving God and giving my all to him and my loving other people and showing that and demonstrating that is one of those things that means the most to him. And God looks past our guilt because of whose we are, and his love is greater than our guilt. I love that. So it says, and he knows everything. <clears throat> Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with boldness and confidence. And when we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is the commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in this fellowship with him and with them. And we know that he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Relationships are really important. And the relationships that we have with our children help identify and describe and illustrate the relationship that we should have with our Heavenly Father. 
It's an awesome, awesome thought. I love that text. I think it's very, very powerful. More of a, but there's more to absorb in there, but let's, we'll just move on from there. All right, so <clears throat> how many of you have children who are ready to be baptized? It's okay to raise your hands. They're, they're pushing for it. Maybe that's a good way to put it. How many of you have children that are asking, pushing, going, come on, Dad, let me go. Uh, <clears throat> we had <clears throat> my daughter, Kinsey. <clears throat> I told you I would tell you a little bit about our, uh, our going on with her. Uh, Kinsey, from about the age five, knew what she needed to do. To be, she knew what she needed to do to become a Christian. I mean, she could tell us over and over again. She could even tell me, you know, what sin was. She could tell me a lot of different things, okay? And I would always sit there and go, man, it's like playing stump the chump, but she's winning. You know, I can't, I can't beat her. I can't. And the whole time I feel guilty because here's my child coming to me with honest and, I mean, like everything she's got, wanting to serve God, she knows it's the right thing, and she's determined that she's going to do the right thing. And isn't that awesome? I mean, when you just stop and think about your child saying, even at an early age, I want to follow God, is a very, very powerful thing that touches you in your heart because nothing do you want more than for them to be in heaven. But there are some things that they need to kind of capture. And we're not, we won't get into all of it tonight. We'll actually get into it more next week than we will tonight. But what kind of things should I know? Well, I remember with Kinsey, we sat down, we studied several times, and I'll kind of give you all a little bit of an idea of what that was like as we get to next week. Uh, and we talked about, like, what are some things that you need to know and have kind of in, in mind. And so we were talking to her about, about sin, and she knew what sin was. It's doing something that God told you not to do. That was her definition. Very simple. Okay? And I was like, well, that's right. <laughs> you know? so, then, so then I finally said this. I said, Kenzie, do you have sin in your life? She says, oh, no. And not that I breathed this sigh of relief, but in that moment I thought, okay. So how can I convince her that though she may not be ready for baptism that she is growing in her faith like how can i encourage her through this what would feel like a rejection to a child right and so i began drawing these little steps okay and the, at the end of the steps was the baptistry all right and i tried to make it really kid kid friendly and so i got to you know here is the point where there's god okay do you believe in god yes i do daddy well what did god do god created everything okay great well you know that there's a god did you know that God loves you? Yes, I do. Okay, wow, that's great. So I would move her to the next step. Do you know that God wants a relationship with you? Yes, sir. Okay, great, 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 great. And so I would, I would keep drawing these steps as, as she would, you know, kind of understand certain things. And then when we got to the part where she did not think she had sin, then I stopped and I said, well, well, Kenzie, what is awesome to me is here's where we're going and look how far you have come to get to that spot. I mean, this is where we're going, and one of these days you're going to be there, and we're going to keep studying. We're going to keep growing in our faith. We're going to keep pushing and all this. And I said, so it's okay. We're going to keep studying. Daddy's not going to leave you. I'm going to be right here to help you through this and to answer your questions. Um, but look how close you are. And that was sort of the way I approached it with her. So as she's growing in her faith, 
she doesn't become discouraged because of the holding off, okay? So I know there's probably some in this room where you're at that stage, and it's okay. Listen to me. It's okay. If that child doesn't understand sin, they haven't committed that sin and separated themselves from God. They're safe. You understand what I'm saying? They're safe with God. And so we have to be really careful that we don't seem every time, because sometimes our kids will you know, we'll ask them the question, well, you know, what's sin? And they will say, well, when I do mean things to my brother. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's not good. Kind of funny, <laughs> but it's not good, right? But this is something deeper. It's knowing what God has said and then on purpose stepping across that line. That's what sin is, right? And we'll get into that a little bit more too tonight. <clears throat> so what should my child know before baptism? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you one more story, and then I'm going to roll into this material. Going back to Kinsey. And I'm, I'm telling you this because I want you to seize opportunities and take advantage of moments, okay? I'll probably cry, so y'all get ready for it. Where's Kleenexes? I don't know. Somewhere. It's going to happen probably because I can't talk about this without thinking about that moment. Some of you have heard this story before. One time I was running late. Oh, or no, I'm sorry. I was here at Bible class on Wednesday nights. And if you have little ones, you typically, after this class is over with, you'll shoot out the door, you take your kids home, and you'll get them in bed because you got school the next day or whatever. And Kenzie, I don't even remember what the age was, maybe five or six years old, something like this. So she was already asking about being baptized, but this was one of those sweet things that we were, you know, talking. And on Wednesday nights, I never got to be at home with my kids. I never got to ask them, hey, what was your Bible class like? Because I was always here shaking the brethren out, you know. And so I decided that night that I was going to get home. So I sent a message to our elders, and I said, men, tonight, uh, with your permission, as soon as I finish my Bible class, I'm heading home. I'm going to clean up the house a little bit, and I'm going to wait for my family to show up, and I'm going to spend time with them and, and put my kids to bed. I want to hear how their Bible class went. I got the A-OK from the elders, thumbs up, absolutely do that. So I did. So as soon as my class was over, went home. I beat them there. I got home, and so I laid down in bed to do the nighttime routine with Kenzie. We had a little Bible story book, and uh, we, were, we were reading and what have you, and I had that out. But I stopped, and I said, hey, I never get to ask you this, Kenzie. What was your Bible class like tonight? She said, oh, it was great, Dad. She said, we talked about Jesus cutting off a man's ear. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I, <laughs> I, I think what you mean is, Peter cut off a man's ear, and Jesus healed it. No, my teacher said Jesus cut off a man's ear. And I'm like, no, it's not like that. So she's like, Daddy, my teacher said. You know, so it, now I'm like, what was supposed to be a great thing is now we're in an argument, right? And so I'm talking with her about this, and um, it gets really serious, and I'm like, okay, we've got this Bible story book. Please, Lord, let it be in here, you know? And so it was, right? And so... I thought this is perfect because one of the things that I've always thought was important was instead of telling my children what I think, show them in the Bible, and then let that be the truth that they learn, not because I said it, but because they can see it, right? And I think that's why God's Word's with us. So I thought this would be great. So we're reading, and <clears throat> I get to the story, and it talks about, you know, the, how you know, Peter stood up and cut off the ear. And so we read that, 
And so that settled the dispute. She said, Daddy, you were right. And I thought, no, the Bible was right. <laughs> you know, so like in my mind, I'm thinking this is a great teachable moment. And, and she says, okay, Daddy, or whatever. And so she said, well, you keep reading. And I'm like, sure. But what's after that? The crucifixion, right? The beatings, the torture, and then the crucifixion. And even in these children's books, okay, while they are a little bit muted in like the graphic nature of it, this one was pretty good at explaining the terror of it, even on a child level, okay? And so I started reading, and we got through the, the beatings, and I said, well, we probably need to go to bed. And she says, no, Daddy, please read. And so I read a little bit more. And as I was reading, I, I noticed her hand. And uh, <laughs> so I'm reading, and I keep reading, and I look over, and she is full out, full tears. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. She says, why are they doing that to Daddy? And so they talked, you know, it talked about the nails, and I could feel her going, <sighs> and I looked over, and she was crying again. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm talking to her, and I said, it's okay, baby. And the next thing I know, like, she's crying, I'm crying, and then there's nothing said for like 10 minutes. And I just hold her, and I cry for I don't know how long. And I said, it's okay. And she said, Daddy, I don't want Jesus to have to die for me. And that's when I said, well, the thing is, he had to. Because you'll never be able to make it to heaven on your own. You'll never be good enough. So Jesus died so he could wash away our sins. And I'll never be able to thank God for that moment enough. Because I was right there the moment she was convicted of what Jesus did for her. I mean, that was one of the most amazing moments ever. And what I'm saying to you is live the moments. Fight through the frustrations, the hard stuff, and everything else, and find the joy of obeying God and seeing your children fall in love with God. Well, I knew it wouldn't be long after that. And we put her off a little bit more, a little bit more, because even though she understood what Jesus did, she had not still not quite gotten the idea of sin and her own personal sin. And so it's not random sin for mankind. It's personal. And I tried to make sure that she understood that. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Next. All right, let's start with a few assumptions here. That you have taught your kids to love God, love the Bible, and that you've taught them through touch and care and all those things that we talked about last week. That you've read them Bible stories, that you've taught them to pray, that you've taught them the yes and no of discipline, that you've nurtured spiritual routines, that you've become more of a person who talks to your children about God regularly. So let's move a little bit forward. So what can we do here? First thing I would suggest is <clears throat> we start in Genesis chapter 1, and we just talk to them about the existence of God. Now, I'm going to tell you there's all kinds of resources out there uh, I'm going to give you a couple of them here at the bottom. Apologetics Press, if you've never looked at their stuff, they've got great kids' things. They have a, uh, through Apologetics Press, they have a thing called Discovery Magazine that has all these scientific evidences for the existence of God, and they publish those things uh, monthly. We used to actually provide them here, I think, maybe when the, are we still doing that? We are still doing it, okay. So those magazines are still available, so there's opportunities for you to have with your children a resource that you can read these articles to help instill in them the confidence and faith in, in God. Now, yes, sir? 
Okay, on that shelf below the, okay, where you used to get your masks and all that stuff, uh, there's a, that bottom shelf where the communion supplies are, uh, so those magazines are there. Um, but talk to them about the creation. Talk to them about how God made creation after its kind. This is going to come up later when we talk about um, sexuality because ultimately you're going to get to the God's design of male and female in Genesis chapter 2, right? And we're going to, I'm not going to do it now because I want to get into it more deeply when we get into the sexuality aspect of it, but God making them male and female. Um, the Godhead. I think that's important. In Genesis chapter 1, you know, when you get down to verse 26, what does it say? Let us make man in our image. Well, why is that plurality there? It's because there's a Godhead. Now, I don't know how you describe it to your children. The Godhead, that's, a, that's a, a unique thing, right? I always thought of it in terms of H2O. Okay? H2O exists in three phases, right? What are they? Gas. That's the first. Did some guy say Gas. Always, huh? Oh, you did. Good job. All right. Gas, liquid, solid, right? Right. Those things are all H2O, but they exist in different. It's not exactly right, okay? But I'm just saying for a child, maybe they can understand that, and that's one way to help them understand that. Colossians chapter 1, we read about this in, in Sunday's uh, sermon, but the idea that Jesus was there in the very beginning, okay? Before creation, he was there in existence, and everything that was created was created by him, for him, through him, and for his purposes, right? And so we need to remember that. The other thing is, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, talks about God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, and that those things can clearly be seen in what has been created. Now, we don't have time to get into the million ways that that can be done, but I'm saying even through science, you can take things and you can show design and the, the, how that verifies that there has to be a designer, right? And so there's lots of ways to do that. If you want resources on that, again, Apologetics Press. Uh, I've got AIG, which is Answers in Genesis. Uh, they have a great website, and both of these have, like, kid-friendly resources that you can print out at home. You can do a devotional at home with your children. Uh, just really, really good stuff. Anybody got any comments here? All right. Share with them that God wants a relationship with them. Uh, this whole thing is about moving them from the, the rules, the commandments, because that's the way children think about it, to more of why those rules exist, why God is giving those things to us. So, you know, scriptures um, like 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, they tell us that what God's word is for. Help remind them that they can lean on that, okay? It's there for our doctrine. In other words, what we teach. It's there for reproof and for correction to help us fix things in our lives and we're confused. Uh, it's there to answer those questions that we have. And it says that man is adequately equipped to every good work. So it means that God's Word gives us everything that we need. That's an important thing for us to remind our children of is that when we're trying to find the answers, it can be found in the Scriptures. Now, not every question of all time is going to be found in there, but there are guiding principles laid out throughout the Scriptures that teach us what is most God-honoring. All right, so 2 Peter 1, 3 talks about us adding to that faith, that trust in God, and that's virtue, which means moral excellence. Uh, talks about patience and self-control and a, a bunch of different things. I won't get into all of those. And then in Galatians chapter 5 is the idea of what it looks like, and I think this is beautiful, really. It's helpful. Children won't understand it uh, early on, 
but we can see some of the roots of these things later on, is what it means to walk after the flesh and what it means to walk after the Spirit. And there's a very good description of what those terrible things are that make us, you know, as you put, selfish or pursuing things that are, that are what we want to do instead of the things that we know God wants us to do. And then there are qualities and characteristics that are produced out of us when we give our lives to God. And those things that are developed, that, that the result out of that are the fruits of the Spirit. And so I just think about that. I don't, I don't have time to read all those things, but those are good principles to be followed. Another thing that our children need to know is that God needs to hear from them. So not only do they need to have an intake of God's Word, and that comes from you guys and from what you're teaching them, but also they need to know that they can have a personal relationship with God and talk to Him about anything. I think, you know, it's good for us to have them to fold their hands and bow their heads and all those kinds of things. But I think also it's okay to teach them to talk to God as a friend. I don't, they're not going to understand these higher level thinking just yet, but they do understand someone that they can talk to. And so the idea that we could pray with them in bed and say to them when you leave, now say your own prayers when I leave. What you're training them is that, that there's a need for you to have a, a, a close personal relationship with God, not just something that's connected to mom and dad. So we pray. I would pray with my kids, go in, lean on their bed, maybe wrestle with them for a few minutes, love on them a little bit, make fun of them, whatever I needed to do. And then we would drift down into a little bit more of a slower pace, read God's Word, sing a little song. The song that I couldn't remember the other night was Jesus Let Us Come to Know You, and we sang it Sunday in worship, and it brought me back again to that routine. We would sing a little medley. It was Jesus Let Us Come to Know You, and then Turn My Heart, O Lord. And uh, we would sing in, in the bedroom until Daddy fell over, or they did, one or the other. And... Uh, and then I would leave the room, kiss them on the head, and say, now, say your prayers too. And I would walk out. And that was my way of saying, we can talk about this together. This is something we share together. But it's also something that you need privately. So, you know, Second Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. The idea is to let them know that they can talk to God anytime they want, all day, every day. Get them in the pattern of that. Philippians 4, 5 through 7, I love this because it talks about anxiety and fear. And right now we're in a world that is redefining what anxiety and fear and struggle and worries are. And so, sorry, does this, were you, I thought you were signaling to me up there, back there. No. Yeah, I was talking to you. My brother's back there harassing me. He's making signals. He's over there giving me the, the bunt signal or something. Uh, anyway. So what does this passage say? It says, you know, lift everything up to him, right? It says whether, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you know, let your request be made known to God. And what does it say that happens as a result of that? The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we need to train our children to know that when they are struggling, when they are fearful, that they can pray to God. And he promises to give them a peace, okay? And the peace that God gives is without understanding. So it's one of those things that you can just say to them, I don't know how, but God's going to find a way to give you peace. And you instill in them the expectation for that peace. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of times we talk about, we do this and it brings us. No, have the expectation. Your mindset has a lot to do with how 
we receive what God is giving us. You can either accept it or you can pass it by and say, that's not good enough. But the expectation that God is going to bring peace and you develop that within your children by teaching them that when they pray to God, he's listening, he cares, he's going to provide for them what they need. And God wants them to learn to trust him for everything. One more story real quickly, uh, because I think this is, this, is, this is just one of the ways that I was taught this growing up. We didn't have a lot of money, uh, and I don't remember exactly why it was. Maybe we had some car problems, and we spent money that we didn't have. Uh, I don't know. My parents didn't do a lot of credit cards, so it was checkbook, and that was it. And so we were down to almost nothing, and we were like a week and a half, two weeks from my, from my dad's payday. And um, so he brought all the family in, and he said, listen, I'm going to need y'all's help. Okay, the, the, the cars are full of gas, um, and, um, but I don't, we don't have any extra money. And so I'm going to need y'all to help us out. You're going to have to eat whatever's in the cupboard. You're going to you're gonna have to help us just take care of the stuff that's here. Like if we got boxes of cereal, you need to eat that. You know, and I'm looking in there, and it's like stuff like canned hominy. Y'all, everybody, anybody ever had hominy? Yeah. So it's potted meat. It's that kind of stuff. You know, it's like mm, buying or sausages. You know, that kind of stuff. So my dad says we're just gonna have to eat that, and we're gonna make do. Okay. So I need y'all to know that I'm not gonna get paid for a little while. And he showed me a checkbook. It's like, you know, seven dollars twelve cents, something like that. It was it was small amount. And so. I knew how faithful my dad was at giving. That was one thing he taught us all the time, that you're going to give to God first and foremost. That check comes out first. So I'm thinking I've caught him, right? And so I go, hey, Dad, what about our contribution check on Sunday? He says, well, that's already written. So what am I thinking as a kid who doesn't get trust just yet? Well, couldn't we go to the grocery store with that check you're going to use in church? And then we'll just double up later, right? We'll just save that, get what we need to get by, and then, and my dad said, that is not how God works. He said, we are going to do what we can to make this happen. You're going to eat the hominy. You're going to eat the, the stale cereal. You're going to do all these things. We'll give our check to church, okay, and listen to me, guys. God is going to take care of us. And I'm sitting in that room going, yeah, right. You know, God's going to take care of us. Well, it takes money. Thanks. You know. Well, about two or three days later, my dad calls us back into the living room. And he says, I want to show you all something. He said, check this out. And he holds up a check. He had been overcharged some kind of insurance premium for like six months. And he got a check and he said, did I not tell you God is going to provide? Well, that's on the financial side of things, okay? But what did I get from that? <laughs> God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of us. Like that was magic. You know, it was unbelievable because my dad taught us that you're not trusting in yourself for these things, you are trusting in God. And that was one way that he taught us to trust God, that things are going to be okay. 
And why could he say that? Well, there's other, these passages up here. Matthew 6, 25 through, 20, through 34, what does it say? You know, don't be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself, right? And he says, you know, the lilies of the field, you see them, they, they get taken care of. You know, the birds, they get, they're all taken care of. If I love them, how much more am I going to take care of you? So don't be worried about tomorrow, right? What's he saying? I got you. He goes on to say in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things. What's he talking about things? What you need to live off of. <laughs> My dad just lived that. He modeled it for us, right? He showed us that. And so now I can step back and go, I know what that looks like now. I know what that looks like. It tastes like hominy, but I know what it looks like, right? <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, my favorite verse in all the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Wow, what a powerful passage. And then God wants them to be certain that he is there. Psalm 23 is a great one for that. Ah, right, there's so much more here. Oh, goodness. Okay, I've kind of gone through some of this. Teach them about the blessings of following God. God's going to take care of you. He loves you. Uh, teach them about the reality of temptation to turn away from God. I, I, I've said this even in church work, that whenever things are going well, and I'll say this to all of us right now. Here at Madison, it's an exciting time. When we're post-COVID, you know, we got people coming back. We got a lot of new families that have just re-energized us and gotten us excited about growing in our faith together, holding each other accountable, getting closer together. Like, what an awesome time it is to be at Madison. But it's that time that you have to be extra vigilant that the devil wants to take us down. Right? So we have to be extra careful as we live our lives, to, to realize that the devil is real. It says that, 1 Peter 5 eight says what? That he's like, he's like a prowling around, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for just a small little foothold. And God tells us to be careful that we don't give the devil a foothold. Right? James 1 talks about the progression of, of sin. The idea that we're drawn away, first of all, by our lust and you know, to begin with, those desires are not necessarily in and of themselves sinful, but it, it pulls us away. We get into lust, and lust then brings forth sin, and sin ultimately, when we stay in there and dwell in it, it just brings forth death, right? And so we have to be careful about that and recognize that it's there. In Ephesians six ten through 18, what does it start out with? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And it tells us to put on the full armor of God. And what are those things? Helmet of salvation, Sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Uh, you know, and so there's belt of truth, I think, is one others. But all this is saying is there's a spiritual warfare going on. And those emblems, while being symbolic, are actually something that we need to hold on to very closely because it is our protection against the devil. And so we need to hold on to our salvation and realize how important and precious that is. We need to hold ourselves up with the belt of truth. We need to use the shield of faith to, as it says, if we have the shield of faith, we can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. I mean, and so the sword of the spirit, it's the way we attack things. It's like God's word answers these questions. And so while it's in a metaphorical sense, the idea is that we're going through a spiritual battle. The devil is real. Temptation is out there. And the devil wants to take us away from God. And so we have to be willing to talk to our kids about that. And the devil is not, you know, 
a pointy-tailed, you know, pointy-eared with pitchfork kind of guy. He's, you know, he comes to us in ways that, that are intriguing to us. And so little by little, we have to help them understand that. All right, preteens. Define sin for your children. No way I get through all this, but we'll try to run through it real quickly. I put it this way, one who chooses against God's law is called a transgressor and commits sin. Those are, those are passages that illustrate that. But keep in mind, there are going to be times later in their life that they're going to fall into a situation that looks bad. They had no clue that they were doing something wrong. You know, let's don't hammer them into the ground because of that sin. Let's teach them what's right and teach them appropriately and guide them gently. But one who does it against, on purpose, who chooses against God's law, that's a transgressor. Transgression is a breach of a relationship to step across the line to rebel. Sin means to miss the mark. It means to be moving in a direction and just misfire, do the wrong thing. Iniquity is to bend or make crooked, all right? And that's, that, I like that one because how many of us have bent the truth a time or two, right? That's kind of what this is talking about. It's like it's not an all-out overt sin, but it's like kind of deception, right? Lawlessness is refusal to obey God's law, and a trespass is a misstep, a trip, or a fault. Those are the sins that happen because we just messed up, okay? Not because we overtly were looking to do something terrible against God, but just because we, we were careless and maybe made a mistake. All right. I'll get into most of these next week. We'll kind of move on. Thank you guys so much for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. We'll get into deeper how to start talking to your kids about things and especially preparing them for baptism.